Israel, thanks so much for uh, having this conversation. We've been having a dialogue for the last couple of weeks, but we thought I, we need to film this. We need to have a conversation. Um, and Israel, you're here because you're a man of God. You're a man of the word. Uh, your message that you brought a couple of months back in the church about running the race that you and Catherine came and shared your story is, is amazing. If, you, if, if guys, if you haven't listened to that, you need to go back and go and listen to that. And then also you're the guest speaker at our live streams conference, which has an amazing story attached to it, but that's for another time. Um, and just your family, man. And it's unfortunate that your kids support the wrong football team. Actually, just say that, just get that in. Oh, you don't know, we need to talk there. about that. Don't, don't. Uh, but I, look, I wanted to have a conversation just to... I want, the, I want our congregation to hear what we've been talking about. Mm. And, and in light of uh, Josh's message last week, where he went after, mm. in all of us, systems of whether it be racism, ignorance, mm. um, even, um, even prejudices that are in our heart, yeah. and he did it masterfully. I'd love just to ask you the question, like, what, what did you hear in his message? What are the things that you've been left with since that message? Mm. Um, I mean, firstly, yeah. <laughs> That was a really tough message to bring, mm-hmm. and masterfully is definitely the term I would use, you know, because Josh's heart was so clear. And so, firstly, I firstly it was admiration. Actually, what I was left with, I thought there aren't many people that would have brought the message like that. Yeah, and and it really was. It was beautiful. So so that was number one, and and I think what what I was left with were all sorts of emotions, really. Part of it was the pain that we're here again. Mm. You know, in this modern world that we're in, at the speed we're going, we're still here. The needle hasn't moved, number one. But I think really for me, the meta-narrative for me, when I listen to everything, because I put myself in that situation, trying to think, well, how do people receive it? Yes, I've experienced some of those things. And we're talking what's going on in the whole world. In, yeah, yeah. yeah all of that, I thought, well, actually, this is not just a black issue. Yeah. It's not just about race. This is a kingdom issue. Wow. It's a kingdom issue, you know. And, and, and I think the only way I can respond to what Josh shared, because it was so rich and so full, is to say, okay, what does God say about this from a kingdom perspective? No. You know, that's how I'm walking it through you know, because it's caused me to think about things in my childhood, it's caused me to think about things in my teens, in my 20s, the areas I lived in, it's caused me to remember the oppression I lived under because the society I was in had to keep apologizing for being the color that I am, living in a world or in a nation that actually didn't accept the color that I was, or still am, do you, do you know what I mean? So it, it brought up a lot of stuff, but also, I asked myself the question, I wonder if people who are not people of colour, who are listening to Josh's word, will actually take responsibility to say, it's now time for me to actually have some self-development. Mm-hmm. It's now time for me to actually, as a Christian, to make a choice and understand people of colour more than the assumptions that I've been living by. Wow. And that's what, that's what I'm pondering on at the moment. Yeah, yeah. 
What he, he in his talk he was talking a lot about the, one of the steps forward for all of us is education. Mm -hmm. what, what where do you what do you go in your mind when you think about education? I mean I know Josh he he this was one of the books that yeah. he recommended yeah. for us to read mm. um, to to educate ourselves. Mm -hmm. What were the things that you off the back of that heard? I was like spot on. I was like because education touches everything. It's about education socially. It's education in the true sense academically but it's also education in the kingdom because yes. as I speak right now there are churches all over the world that have segregations in color and they call themselves a church you see I actually have a problem saying that how can you call yourself a church yet as a congregation you have color issues that's not the kingdom that's not the kingdom in any way shape or form it's some mock-up of a kingdom that you've built in your image that's not the kingdom. Yeah. And so education needs to come from the church right through to schools, right into nursery and up. Yeah. There needs to be a real understanding that actually the color you see, it's just color. Yeah. It's because God is so excited about his creation that he said, I can't just have one color, let's have many. Yeah. Let's have some fun, let people enjoy that. My mum used to say something which has never left me. My mum used to say, the reason why when you see mixed marriages, you know, the children turn out to be aesthetically pleasing to the eye is because that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. There's something in the complementing of one race, seeing another race and being so full in love that children come from that procreation and then you see perfection in front of you. And, and we as a church, have seemed to have missed that. It's not something that we approach, it's not something that we talk into, and we should. So when Josh said education, I think, man, there's a whole paper we can write on education. Yeah. You know, even when you think about in schools, the history that I was taught, and the history that actually happened, were very, two very different things. When we did the World Wars, and rightly so, we talked about the Nazis, and rightly so, we talked about the Jewish oppression and what they went through, Auschwitz, and all that sort of stuff. My dad said the numbers that happened in slavery, I mean, don't even, I mean, Trump isn't even the word. It's not, you can't even quantify it. Wow. Yet, we don't talk about that with the same passion. We talk about slavery as if it's some tokenistic event. We even romanticize it. He said, you can't romanticize all the bodies that are still at the bottom of the, of the Atlantic Ocean. You can't romanticize the caves that were waiting for the ships to come in. You know, you can't romanticize that. You can't romanticize any of that. What you've got to understand is that what these people went through were atrocities. And what the people have to understand is that in these African nations, when they had wars, the ruling and the winning tribe would then enslave the losing tribe. But the term slave in the African context meant servant. It didn't mean the lowest thing on the earth. It meant servant. So you would win the war, you would take the strong warriors and the warriors would be engrafted in the, in the victorious army. The women would be taken and they'd be made servants to the other women of the victorious army. The weaker men would be used as servants. Yeah. That's as much as it went. It wouldn't be any other way. Yeah. Unfortunately, the Western civilization 
stepped into Africa and went, oh, beasts of burden. Yeah, we can use them in that way. And so when the ships would be coming in, the atrocities would take place. The slave master would commit atrocities to the female women, they'd hose them down, then they'd throw them on the ship. But the confusion came because these, these same slave masters were Christians. They would then go and pray to this God who completely understood why they would do what they do because they're beasts of burden. And the church has never really addressed that. In the schools, they're telling the victor's story. If you ever want the truth of history, don't look at the victor. Look to those that were oppressed by the victor. And then you see the truth of what's going on. You know, because the rest is glorification. And so education needs to happen. And I think also when people say, well, you know, this is England and this is America and so on and so forth. I think, yes, I hear that. I truly hear that. But actually, it's one and the same. Black people were taken to the States to build America, just as black people brought to England to build this country. It's one and the same. They brought them over, yet they didn't accept them in the nations they've been brought. And they've been put in a system and, 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 and a game that says, we will do everything we can to prohibit you coming on a level pegging with us. Mm. That's what they're angry about. Mm. That's what they're really angry about. They're angry about Rosewood and Tulsa in the United States being places that had independent wealth as black places, black homesteads. But as they rose in independent wealth, one was burnt to the ground and one was bombed. Yeah. So they're tired of that, yeah. you know. That's what's going on. So yeah. education's important, to yeah. understand why are they angry? Not just to look and say, oh my goodness, they're angry, so we're momentarily disgusted at the murder, but I need to understand, why are you angry? Tell me, why are you angry? Then if you are prepared to listen, they'll tell you why they're angry. But you have to understand the truth of why they're angry. I'm not saying for one minute I'm applauding the looting, I'm applauding the, I'm not. I'm really not, because that's not how I tick, that's not how I want to discuss. But I understand where they're coming from. And the beginning is understanding where they're coming from and why. The history of it. That's where you've got to start from. Yeah. So bringing it down to um, one a day, like now we're talking about the church, mm. um, our congregation, mm. the, the church in England. Mm. Um, I, I heard something that um, has greatly moved me in this time. Um, I, I, it, was a, it was a pastor who said that um, racism will not be changed, prejudice or ignorance, that stuff won't be changed by passing a law, by you know, writing a new policy. It has to happen in the heart. And the church is the only place where the heart can be transformed by yeah. the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So in this time, in this conversation and what's going on, how, how do you see as the church best resent, representing the kingdom in, in, in a time like this? That's brilliant. I agree with that statement. I, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, yeah? And it's very hard to be transformed by the renewing of your mind where your heart doesn't go. It follows suit. You know, the heart follows that. The mind, the heart, the heart, the mind. Transformation is a complete metamorphosis. It's a complete metamorphosis. And the transformation has to begin with first of us, us looking within ourselves, within our church communities and actually saying, what are the biases that I have? 
what are the assumptions that I have when I see someone of color? As I said, it's not a black issue, it's a kingdom issue. What do I do? When I see someone of color, what actually happens? You know? All the stories, all the, all the assumptions, all the lack of understanding the true history. It becomes something tangible in the day to day. So we as a church have to begin within our own ranks. We say that we are Christians. When I call myself a Christian, that also means that I don't see color. It doesn't mean I disvalue it. It doesn't mean I don't think it exists. It means it doesn't become a filter through which I tell you who I believe you are. Wow. You know? Yeah. In Mark, Jesus said to the disciples, he asked them, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, you know, some people say you're John the Baptist, some people say you're Elijah, some people say you're a prophet. And he went, oh, that's cool. Who do you say that I am? So he took it from the masses to the personal. Okay, that's them. But before I deal with them, let me just check who do you say that I am? Through those blue eyes that you look at me with, who does Jonathan say Israel is? Am I just a black guy? So therefore, there are things that go with that? Or am I someone that is equal to you in every single way? that we can stand together as men of God, worship, cry, laugh, eat, play, read the word, genuinely see one another yeah. as Jesus sees us. Yeah. That for me is a Christian. Yeah. Because how can you pray for someone when you know you have something in your heart that says, I'll pray for you, but if you were to do this with me, uh-uh. You know, we can get close, but not too close. Yeah. That's not Christianity. That's not Christianity. That's why when you talk to some people of color about Christianity, they say, quote unquote, yeah, but that's a white man's faith. Wow. Why would I become a Christian, the religion of my oppressor? And people today would say, oh, that's a bit, bit much. <laughs> no, understand where that's coming from. You know, and another thing that's really important is this. The enemy has an agenda. The enemy has an agenda and what he wants us to do is keep our eye from the ball. He wants to take it from the ball and make sure we're not keeping focused that God said 2020 was a year that we'd never forget in the kingdom. Yeah. From 2020 vision to the prophetic understandings, all of that stuff, the reason why people talk about we've, we have generally had the second lockdown in history, the first one being when God visited the Israelites and said, the angel of death is coming, stay in your homes. Mark blood on the lintel so that when the angel comes, we will pass over you. Never before has this ever happened. This was the second one. We're still in it. But this time we don't have to put blood on our doors. We're carrying the blood of Christ. So he sees the fragrance. He sees the worship. He hears the prayers. And so COVID says, I can't go there. He says, too right you can't. You will pass over my children. This is not for them. This is the second time we've had this in history. And then we have, the, then we have an outpouring. We have another book of Acts time. 
We have it 50 days later. And then this happens. We're not to be pulled into this place of argument and fighting and bickering. We're still to keep our eye firmly fixed that, Lord, you have marked this year in such a way for a reason. So right now, for such a time as this, has never been more relevant in the history of our faith. Right now, we have to position ourselves and say, Lord God, we're here waiting. What is it you want to do and how do we demonstrate you? So, Lord, if you're going to use this time to clean house, then, Father God, let's clean house. Let's understand what it is to be prejudiced. Let's understand every single ism we have as the kingdom so that the river of God that we're crying out for will come. We're crying out for miracles. We're crying out for the manifest presence. We're crying out for angelic presence. We're crying out that God would do things that are so historic where people would say, I was alive in that day and generation. I was part of that river of God. Well, the river can't come because the rocks are crying out and they're saying, we're not ready yet because we still have isms, we still have racism, we still have all this prejudice in our house and we're praising God together, yet... Behind the scenes, we're saying this about one another. We're thinking this about one another. We're prejudging about one another. Yeah. We can't do that. I, uh, I, I remember years and years ago, a quote, um, Randy Clark, um, he, he's a well-known um, man, apostle. Yeah, whatever. he is, man. Yeah. And, and he, uh, he, he said this from the stage um, in our church. I'll never forget it. He said, the church has been uh, saying to God, like, here, kitty, kitty. Here, kitty, kitty. Here, kitty, kitty. Like, come on, come on. Here, kitty, kitty. And then all of a sudden, God goes, Rawr! Yeah. Right? And it's like this thing of like, we're like, as a church, like, God, we want you to come. We want yeah. revival. Yeah. And then something like this happens, which we could so easily think, yeah. oh, this is the world, the church. We, we need to be separate from actually what God is doing uh, and bringing justice. Yeah. And actually seeing that, like you said, he's yeah. actually cleaning house. He's cleaning house. You know, I, I've been, I, I, I've been, um, just so aware um, uh, the last couple of days, the emails that have come into my inbox and conversations I've been having mm. of, of just people saying, um, oh, Josh's message, I actually found really hard. And then I listened to it again. And then I listened to it again. Mm. And the words slowly started to sink deep. And actually the Holy Spirit brings the mirror and says, hey, Jonathan, this is actually what I'm talking about. Yeah. This is what I'm talking about, yeah. and 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 I I I feel like there's this um, urgency to to I mean this conversation. Why I wanted to have this conversation, but mm. for us to recognise as mature believers, mm. you know, actually going eating the steak and not just staying on milk and That's being right. able to have very tough conversations. That's right. Yeah, that there's a there is a kairos moment in the body mm. that God is saying, I'm answering what your cry is. Yeah, but I want my church to be spotless. Yeah. And, and, and I want you to see my people, mm. how I see them, yeah. my heart yeah. for my people. Yeah, spot on. That's completely right. You know, the, as a church, we, sh- we shouldn't be defined by color. Yeah. yeah. And that definition has to go. But for it to go, you need to look in our, we need to look in, in, in ourselves. The reason, the reason why I say it's not just a black issue, it's a whole race issue. It's a black and minority ethnic issue. It's a gender issue. You know, it, it doesn't just stop with race. Because yes. we're going to go race. You might as well look at how the church views women. <laughs> Let's just go there. 
you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. We have got to now understand if we want God to come in the power and the authority we're asking for, we've got to do the work. We've got to do the work, but we don't take our eye off the ball. When I saw what I saw in America with George Floyd, I don't understand how another human being can do that to somebody else. But then I said the hate that must have been generational coursing through that man's veins that was covered with an official badge. That's generations of, of erroneous education. It's generations of it. God can't allow that in the house. Yeah. It shows up differently in the house. Yes. But it's there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's there. So tell me um, something that we, I, I've always, I get excited whenever we've had this conversation because it's, it, it's been varied. You talk about, uh, I asked you this question, all right, where do you see the church come going from here? Mm. Like what, in this time, what's the dream and, and the thing for all of us to not just um, do what the, the message that Josh asked us to do, but even in this conversation about actually going to the Lord in repentance, mm. Mm. In, 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 in humility, mm. where do you see the church uh, rising in a time like this? The church is the only answer. Yes, amen. That's the fact. Yes. You know, we say it, but I don't know if people actually hear it. Like right? Exactly. Yeah. We are the yes. only answer. Yes. Because we are the conduit of love. Yes. We carry that. That's our DNA. Yeah. The reason why we as a church have all these inner healing ministries mm. is because we need to clear the way for the love to show up. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's why. Good. The reason why you have church splits is because they're not mature. Mm. The love hasn't come forward. Because when love shows up, everything else is insignificant. Everything else disappears. The love, it's so powerful. So powerful. My upbringing showed me certain things, but Catherine was the one that God used to show me what love looked like. She was the one. I'm still on my journey, but one thing is really clear to me, the church has got that journey to yeah. do. Yeah. So what I see and what I want prophetically is that the church, and it starts with us, we would be literally a, a, a love tank. A living, breathing, worshipping, creative, preaching, healing love tank. That colour is never the issue. That we would stand arm in arm with our brothers and sisters of every race, creed, and color. I don't care whether they're rich, poor, black, white, green, purple. I don't care if they're Martians. If they want Jesus, we are right there saying, let's walk this out together. Because I, it should bother me that someone's weeping because they're not in a good place. And I should jump higher than they do when they have a victory. You know, it shouldn't bother me. Let's get real. It shouldn't bother me if I'm standing next to someone and they have an amazing word and I don't get one. Mm. Let's get real. We are, there are so many isms. Wow, that's such a word. I haven't, I've never had that word. Grow up. As a church, 
If we want Christ to come in the fullness of his glory, then we need to set the foundation for it. God knows what a foundation looks like before he walks on it. We need to build our foundation and the foundation of getting rid of the isms, getting rid of all the racism, all the prejudices, whatever word you want to call it. Understand when you look in the mirror, look at yourself. Don't look in the mirror and forget what you look like. Stand and look at yourself and say, you, sir, in the mirror, you, sir, deal with your stuff. You know, I had isms. I still have isms that I've got to deal with. In my teens, if you were white, trust me, you wouldn't walk near me. You wouldn't. You wouldn't, because I became such an activist in my own mindset that I had to rail against it, when actually not really. I grew up middle class. I experienced stuff, most definitely. But I grew up middle class. I didn't grow up working class. You know, I went to boarding school. It wasn't ideal for me, but my parents could afford to send me there. I came back, it didn't last very long, by the way. <laughs> it didn't work. But, but you see what I mean? My parents had an option. Our kids go to beautiful private school here. We live in Bath. So my story is different socioeconomically, but when it comes to the race issue, I've been chased, I've been threatened. I've been left in the freezing cold by a babysitter when I was two years old in a pram. Where if my mum didn't come and pick me up, only God knows what would have happened. She came because of a word of knowledge. I was a baby. And because her husband didn't want me in the house, he forced his wife, who was my babysitter, to leave me out in the freezing cold. So in mid-November, my mum came and found me in the garden of a babysitter. I've had all sorts of nonsense. But I have a choice because I chose to educate myself. I chose to understand why white people would look at me in a certain way. I watched films like Roots, The Color Purple, Selma, all these sort of things, Amistad, they're not figments of one's imagination, these are stories of history. The film Hidden Creatures, which talks about the, the, the women, the, the black women that were behind the NASA program and how intelligent they were. Look how many years it took for that to come out. Hidden figures. Hidden figures, thank you. Not hidden creatures. Hidden figures, thank you. Hidden figures. Look how many years it took for that to come out. I know. See, that's part of the system that people who are not of colour don't understand. Yeah. Every part has been shaped to keep people of colour in a certain way and in a certain mould. You know, if they're wealthy, it's because they're rap stars, pop stars, sportsmen. You know, they're not wealthy because they're lawyers, doctors, nuclear physicists. You know, so, so, so you, you don't see them as, oh, wow. So they're actually really intelligent as well. They're really smart. A whole education. Okay. The points that Josh made about Jesus making a whip and going over, going into the temple and flipping the systems mm. that harbour these yeah. sicknesses of the heart. Absolutely. Um, we should pray. Mm. Because I recognise that this is a Kairos moment for the church. Yes. That this is actually God saying, 
I'm actually answering your prayer, yeah. the church, yeah. and, and you want to mature, you want more of me, yeah. this is what I'm going for. And I'll say one more thing is this. If you can truly, truly see your fellow man and fellow woman without the prejudices, yeah. you will encounter God at a whole new level. Yeah. You'll see God in everyone. You'll see God in everyone. Because they are. Yeah. How blessed it is for brethren to dwell in unity. Like the oil that runs from the head, the beard, onto the staff, runs down Aaron's staff. Yes. That's the prerequisite for the river of God yeah. to come. Yeah. Unity of heart. Because he commands a blessing. He commands it's the blessing. It's a command. It's yeah. not, I give. No. It's like, yeah. I command. Yeah. Should we pray for the church? Yeah, let's do it. Which is me and you. Come on. Father, I just thank you so much for Israel. I thank you, Lord, for this, this conversation, but Lord, what you are doing in the world right now. Father, that you are highlighting an issue that you deem as a, 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 as a sickness, that you are going after the brokenness of man. Lord, we, we, we talk about and we preach it that the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. And Father, this is a righteousness issue, that we cannot be right before you in these areas of isms, prejudice, um, whether it be racism or even ignorance, Lord. Father, would you, would you continue to do what you are doing, Lord? And, and Lord, we just say yes to what you are saying. Father, would you, we follow the voice of the shepherd. And Lord, there are many voices right now, but you lead us. You, you are our chief shepherd. And Jesus, we say yes to the, the areas that you are po pointing out and pulling out in this time to prepare us for such a time as this, that God, you're gonna, you are going to move on us as a family. Uh, and, and Lord, that there is something coming in this year, like Israel said, Lord, that this is all connected. That Lord, that there is something that you are doing to clean your church, to, to steward and hold a move of God that this nation has never seen before. Yeah, Lord, we want to thank you. We want to thank you, Father God, that as we pray as a church, we know that you are in complete control. And as we keep our eyes firmly fixed on you, Heavenly Father, we know, Lord God, that by the strength and by the anointing of your Spirit, you are moving on all of us. Holy Spirit, breathe on us. That when we look in the mirror, we wouldn't come away from the mirror and say, ah, it's okay. That we would allow you to be the master surgeon as you take the scalpel of the Holy Spirit and do the work on our heart that we would be the church in the very truth of how you want the church to be, that we would be united in heart, united in vision and united in one voice, that as we sing in one accord and when you hear the fragrance that comes out of us as the church, you would say that's a church of unity. Because Lord, I believe there's a sound in the spirit that cries unity. Take us to that place that as we understand one another's story, because it comes back to the story once again, as we truly understand each other's story, we can embrace the full story that you can write the next chapter of your story in Life Church Bath and in the global church, that we would be able to say we were alive in this, in this dispensation of the Spirit where we saw with our very eyes the incarnate manifestation of God because we did the work and we understood the truth of the kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.